What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Icarus the Reality with Shane Jones. What is up, Inquirers? And welcome back to the always fascinating Inquiries of Our Reality. Today's guest is one of my favorite return guests with a fascinating rediscovery and some great theories along the way, possibly even connecting Sasquatch with giants of ancient America. Great stuff. But before we get into this awesome, long, and it could have been longer episode, we got to cover the front of house stuff first. For anybody that isn't already aware, I will be speaking and vending at the Snarly U Presents Cryptid Halloween 2, Cryptid Festival, and Halloween Craft Show. That'll be going on October 28th from 12 to 6, and that will be in West Virginia. And it is a free event to attend, so if you guys are willing to come and make it out, it'd be great. And uh, like I said, Orn and I will be speaking at that, so if anybody is able to make it out, it'd be super-duper cool. But if you're not able to, we should be doing some sort of a live feed of that. And if you're not able to catch the live feed either, we should be uploading it onto YouTube and possibly even some clips onto TikTok and stuff. But there will be ways for you guys to see it if you guys are interested in seeing it, even if you can't make it out. But uh, hopefully I will see you guys there. And if you guys are planning on coming out there, please let me know because I'd love to already know your face and know your name and be able to point you out and have a conversation with you. That kind of stuff's always fun. So uh, yeah, let me know if you guys are attending. And if you guys want some more information on that, uh, there is some links and some more information down in the show description of this episode. And uh, if you guys haven't already left a review or rating for the show, I would definitely appreciate it. Uh, if you guys leave a five-star review on iTunes, then I will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout out. 
And uh, if you guys don't haven't already, don't forget to go and check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Discord, and Telegram, and uh, any other social media websites I might happen to pop up on. Uh, anything that might pop up new, that will all be in the uh, link tree down in the show description, but at least follow on those ones. Those are the main ones that I'm the most active on, especially Instagram. And if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, contactee, ufologist, uh, Sasquatch experiencer in particular, uh, any of that kind of stuff, I'd love to have you on the show. Even if you're a listener, um, if it's a short encounter, I'd like to start making some collab episodes possibly with multiple people that are listener encounters and be able to get you guys, the listeners, a little bit more included into the show. So let me know if you guys are interested in any of that. You guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, which I, like I said, is the one I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you can go to the link tree, fill out the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. And uh, make sure you guys check your spam and junk folders, make sure nothing gets missed in the process. Uh, and if you guys haven't already checked out Bizarre Encounters, my other show that I do with my awesome co-host, Oren, definitely recommend going and checking that out if you guys want to check out some of the deep dives that I do over there. Uh, Oren does a lot of good work over there. I connect a lot of weird theories over there. It's a really fun show. We make some jokes along the way. So definitely go and check it out if you haven't already. And if you guys want to keep tabs on anything I do all as a whole, go and check out all the Open Minds Media pages. That's my, uh, I guess you could say, production company for everything that I do, um, such as the Patreon, the YouTube, the TikTok, all that. It's all under Open Minds Media. So then I can uh, include this show and I can also include Bizarre Encounters all in the same place, make it a little bit easier for me and easier for you guys to follow. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can become Patreon members, such as the awesome people like Riley, Brandy, Floyd, uh, Brian, there's a, there's a bunch of them over there. There's a lot of really cool people. Get, join the ranks of them. You'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to the show, lives of the show, live replays, which is the video format of the show, uh, exclusive March Star discounts. And I'm always willing to add some more stuff over there. So if there's anything you guys want to see as far as the Patreon goes, let me know. And I'd love to incorporate it into that to make it even more user-friendly for you guys. And uh, with that, you don't just get increase of our reality. You also get Bizarre Encounters, a little bit more bang for your buck. So definitely go and check it out. Or you guys can donate to the show directly if you want to make it so it's a little bit easier for me to get out to more conventions and different other things going on and get to meet more of you guys firsthand. Uh, you guys can donate through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate, let me know you donated. If it doesn't give you some type of option for a personalized message, and I'd love to give you guys a big shout out in the show. And then the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store where you'll find all the different new logo designs. Uh, you'll also find... Some of the other designs that I made, like the Stay Bizarre design and also the Anime Squatch design. And I should be hopefully incorporating the new logo, which should be dropping soon over there in the Open Minds Media merch store. Super duper cool. I think it's going to look really, really cool on a t-shirt. So hopefully you guys will end up scooping that for yourselves. And if you guys scoop anything from the store, if you guys don't mind sending me a picture of you guys wearing it, I'd love to repost it on the page and give you guys a big shout out. And uh, if you guys can't support the show in any of those ways, you guys can always just uh, communicate with the show. Let me know what you guys think of the show. Shoot me a message, any of that kind of stuff. Share the show. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to support podcasts without actually contributing any kind of money or anything like that. So all that stuff is always appreciated just the same. I love getting random messages from you guys saying you guys are enjoying the show or your guys' comments on particular episodes. So don't be discouraged. Shoot me some messages. Let me know what you guys think. Share the shit out of the show. That's the only way that the show is going to continue to grow and make it so that the algorithm makes Makes it so more people are able to see the show. And uh, if you guys haven't already scooped yourselves some awesome merchandise from Crypto Theology, you know, half my wardrobe is Crypto Theology. So I definitely recommend going and checking Joe out. He does a lot of really good work over there, always dropping new designs. And uh, he did Squonkapalooza semi recently. So I know that kind of took a, a lot of his time. So after that, 
everything is all done and over with with that. There should be some more new merch designs that he's dropping pretty soon. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for that. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available down in the link tree, down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show for the second time, Travis Roy from Giants of Ancient America. How's it going today, man? Oh, pretty good, man. Thanks for having me back. Absolute pleasure to have you on, and I always get excited about having you on because last time we got into some awesome conversation, and then we continued on through messages afterwards, so I was looking for a new excuse to have you on, and I know that you were digging into some interesting stuff that we'll definitely dive into a little bit into the show, but uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. I love talking to you. Awesome, awesome. Great to be here. So uh, for anybody that maybe didn't listen to our first episode, which I always recommend going back and checking out, uh, anybody that might not be familiar with who you are and what you do, why don't you let them know a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Uh, so I'm, uh, I run an Instagram and Facebook account um, called Giants of Ancient America. So it's uh, Giants underscore of underscore ancient America, one word. And basically what I do is I research uh, old newspapers or uh, try to find old newspapers that mention the discoveries of um, giants. And a lot of them are from America because a lot of these uh, newspapers were from America. And as people move westward, you know, building houses, uh, roads, cities, and railways, they were encountering or digging up accidentally um, these burial mounds and finding uh, giants. And then they would report them or they would say something and then the, the local newspaper would come in. And so you have hundreds and hundreds of these accounts. And so that's what I do. I, I try to find them and I just plug them away on, on at one spot. Try to make it a one spot shop for everybody on it. And as far as I'm concerned, man, I feel like you're probably one of the top people covering this topic to begin with. And like, I remember listening to you on other shows before I even started my podcast. And it always seems like you're the go-to guy when it comes to giants of ancient America in general, that I don't think anybody has documented it as much as you have, at least in the current scene of doing this type of research. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to learn as I go, like who these people were because, you know, we're not taught about it. Right. So it's kind of like, I'm, you know, I may be an expert on it, but I mean, that's not really saying a lot because I don't, we don't know a lot about these people. <laughs> Top but, info know, collector, do, at least. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I do spend a lot of time uh, researching these people and trying to build a picture of who they were um, the best that I can. And and I like to just throw these account these uh, articles out there. And a lot of times people will message me and say, oh, hey, I live real close to this area or they have some in- insight, you know, because of the region this giant was found in. Um, so it's fun. Um, I just like to I feel like they I kind of feel like they there are people, but their story has been suppressed for whatever reason. I feel like that's not um, I don't feel like that's right. I feel like they deserve to have their history spoken of. And so if we don't know it, it's almost like we have to rediscover it and tell it the best we can. See, I kind of wonder which perspective it comes from. If it's a matter of like modern day human trying to hide all of it because, you know, we wanted to kind of just pretend like that never happened, just kind of continue on with the history. Or if it's one of those things that maybe like the giants theoretically have a hand in hiding their heritage and their history because they don't want to be discovered because, uh, 
you know, there's a bunch of different cases of humans, regular sized humans killing giants. I mean, you have it in the Bible with David and Goliath. You have the story with uh, the natives chasing all of the red-haired giants into a cave and then starting a fire in the cave. Um, and I mean, even more recently, you have like the whole thing with like the giant of Kandahar where you had like the multiple soldiers that all just opened gunfire into this thing's face. I mean, every single encounter we have with these things, even if they aren't necessarily, I guess, coming at us with uh, any type of like aggression, like if you see a big being coming at you, like the first reaction of like a small person is going to be to attack it. It's no different than like, you know, you step into like an animal's house, even if you don't have like negative intentions, they see that as like, Oh no, Oh no. Like we need to, we need to defend ourselves against this thing. So, I mean, it, it, you got to kind of have to carry it over into that aspect too, that, you know, maybe they are trying to hide their heritage just because they know our track record with them. Yeah, dude, that is a great perspective. Yeah. I can see it that way for sure. I mean, you know, the Kandahar giant, I mean, you know, his buddies saw that happen, you know, and they're like, uh, maybe we shouldn't show ourselves as much <laughs> or at all. No. So I get that. I get that. That makes total sense. See, because everybody looks at that story from seeing the perspective that this thing came out of the cave and just speared one of the fucking people. But you have to also look at it from the perspective of if you were just hiding out in a cave and you saw these soldiers approaching with rifles, what's your first response going to be to walk out and say, hi, guys, how's it going? Or is it going to be to try to defend your home? Like you have to think about it from yeah. that perspective, too. It actually sounds like that's what he was doing, was defending his home because they were approaching his front porch. And who knows what else could have been inside that cave, too. He could have theoretically had family in there. He could have had, like, offspring of some sort in there. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the, the story just pertains to that one giant in, giant in particular. But once these events started happening and going down, if there was any other beings that were in that cave that were possibly his family members, of course, their first reaction would have been to take off. Because assumably, if they're living in this cave, there's probably is a bunch of different connecting passages. They probably took off somewhere deep inside those caves. And while the soldiers were concerned with just this one being, like they probably it never even crossed their mind to venture into the cave because they wouldn't want to find another one of these things in there. So they had more than enough time to get away while they were taking this one giant out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's a totally believable story to me just because of all the other stories that come out of Afghanistan that kind of like make it legit. Dude, even past sure. that too, that's like you hear about the people just talking about all these weird things that live in particular areas. And uh, it's not even just past the giants. Like you hear about people talking over there about, oh, we don't go in that area because there's these beings there. We don't go in this area because the jinn are, the jinn are there. We don't go in this area because the, the giants are there. You know, when you have all these like massive landscapes that there's not a lot of people living in them, it's a lot easier just to be like, all right, that's not a safe area. Let's leave that alone. And who knows what could actually exist within those caves. And I mean, it could be a whole conspiracy about like the tunnels because I mean, not to get too political with stuff, but you hear about all the people, uh, when we're going through the war on terrorism about how they were like hiding in all these caves everywhere, you know, and, but they still had cell phone service, but that that's beyond the point. But either way, we know that there's some ridiculous <laughs> yeah. tunnel systems that exist there that we don't even know where they let out at. Like who knows what could be existing below the surface or even past that in these giant mountain ranges, who knows what could be existing in the area? Because if there's no reason to go to that mountain range, there's nobody that's going to go to the mountain range. The only people that would would be the locals. And if they have passed down stories about there's something in that area, like why even risk going in that area if you know that there's going to be something that might come after you? Right, right. And I feel like there's a lot to it, that uh, story, whenever a local says that, like, you know, there's something to that. You have to believe them. 
especially sure. when it's like the adults not just preaching the words to the kids in order to keep them away from an area when it's like an adult preaching a word to another adult like you got to take away that factor that they're just using it as like protective stories i mean maybe it was telephone down the line i like i mean that's always definitely a possibility i'm not going to say it's not but there's still a root truth to every story and even if theoretically you know, these stories were passed down when these beings did exist in these areas. Maybe some of them are extinct in these areas now, but the stories are still there and they leave the area alone because they don't know for sure if these things could still exist there. Yeah. Rather yeah. be safe than sorry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So maybe we need to tell these stories too, just to, for our own safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. at least in just America, we try to cover up all these stories, you know? Like mm -hmm. the closest we get to these giant stories in America is, I mean, we'll get into it later on in the show is the whole like Sasquatch thing, which I definitely think has some connection to the giants. But again, we'll, we'll save that for later on in the show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I guess yeah. to kind of set the pace going for everything, um, I know that you've been doing some recent research into something that's in your area. And uh, however you want to start it, however you want to get to it, I feel like you should, you know, kind of build up the full picture of it and kind of, I feel like it's a good step in the process of proving the existence of giants in America past the whole like Smithsonian cover up concept, but you have some like physical evidence of it and it's clearly been attempted to be covered up, but I'll, I'll let you get into it. I'll let you tell the story however you choose to tell it, depending on like how you started your research and everything into it. Yeah. Yeah. So a buddy reached out to me and he said, Hey, he said, how far are you from uh, Glen Rose, Texas? And I was like, dude, I'm like, you know, within an hour from this area. He's like, well, he said, I came across a book and it's called the Valley of the Giants. And basically a guy in the sixties and into the seventies, um, I think he was a chiropractor, but for his hobby, he was like a researcher and he went out and he heard that there were giant man tracks in the riverbed down here in this part of Texas. It's, it's north or northern Texas, north central Texas. And so he goes and he documented like, you know, four, four good areas of this riverbed where there were some really good tracks. And I think he had like 20, 21 inch tracks, 18 inch tracks that he documented. Some of them had great toe prints on them. I mean, it's obviously human or humanoid. And so fast forward and I can't remember the exact year. It was like seven in the, it was in like 74, the state park opened down here. And they even had like a sign that said uh, caveman tracks and they had dinosaur tracks. Well, by the time like the early eighties got here, they had removed the tracks or the, the best looking tracks out of this park. Side it note too, real quick too. Um, when did, just out of curiosity, do you know when like the cover up as far as like the Smithsonian, like hiding all these skeletons took place? Was it around the same time or are they already hiding that way previous to this? They were hiding that previous. I think it was like around the 1930s when that started to happen or when the Smithsonian started to kind of like, they were pushing back, I should say. I guess I'll just say that. They were kind of pushing back against the people of America reporting on findings that they, they had made on these skeletons. So I'm surprised so, that it lasted till the seventies or eighties then <laughs> surprised they didn't try to cover that up way sooner. I, right. Yeah, me too. You know, I mean, growing up, I remember, you know, we always talked about cavemen and stuff. So maybe it was just kind of like, wow, this is like a man track, a cave. We'll just call him a caveman. Cause he was just big, you know, Neanderthals were big, they say, right. So like it's caveman track. 
Well, eventually they moved them out and they, and they even denied ever having them there in the, like in the early eighties. But a guy that had seen them, he's like, no, I saw them there. And an old park ranger that happened to be there who used to work there. He's like, no, he's like, you're right. They were there. And I, I moved the signs and I put them in a shed over here that said caveman tracks. He didn't say what they did with the actual tracks. Um, so, and I don't really blame the uh, state parks for this. You know, it, it does, it's not really their fault. It, it comes up from a higher and it's trickle down, right? It's a trickle down effect from up high. So, because I'm, I'm a guy who loves state parks and stuff, so I'm not really, shoot, you know, taking any shots at state parks. <laughs> hey, as far as you I'm know. concerned, people that work at state parks are the only, like, really good branch of the government. And, like, half the yeah. time, too, you hear about these things that a lot of park rangers seem like they're, like, aware of, the, of Sasquatch beings being in specific areas. And I've even mm-hmm. heard multiple stories of people that work at parks talking about, like, oh, yeah, we know that there's weird stuff in the area. They tell us not to really talk about it. And if there is any type right. of encounter, they just tell us to put up like no camping in this area signs. And then we just kind of move on past mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you get That's all they can do. That's all they're allowed to do. Right. So I, I kind of think it's similar with the footprints because this guy, he worked there. He went out there. He's like, Hey, I heard you in there talking. I know they denied it. The guys that work here now, but he said, you're right. You, you did see them. I know, I know you did because we, they had to remove them. So that was kind of crazy to me. It's like, man, that's, it's really irritating actually to me. It's like, why would you remove hard evidence so you could let your lie try to take root, right? Mm -hmm. Like remove actual hard concrete evidence because your lie was so strong. You had to get rid of evidence. (laughs) It's like, it almost makes you wonder if they knew that there was more in the area. So they were trying to cover that up so that they could research it in secret without having more people come in and kind of like mess up the research, so to speak. Like they're trying to like keep it for Mm -hmm. themselves. But in turn, I mean, like I'm never down with destroying evidence of anything by any means, but maybe in their minds in a weird way, they're thinking that it was a weird way of conserving it in that area. Yeah. I could see that. And I had that thought because I did, I did go to the state park and I, you know, and I did, I went up and down that river and a lot of other rivers in the area. Cause there's a lot of rivers and Creek beds in this area that are the same substance, limestone substance, like the bedrock. And sometimes it's covered with mud and gravel, but you do have areas that like in the curve of the bend of the rivers or creeks where it's just rock and you just look really close and you could see humanoid prints. They're like everywhere for so yeah, maybe, maybe they did. Cause I, I feel like I saw some still there, but they weren't super defined or I saw areas where it looked like rocks had been removed like riverbed rocks. And then you would have like one over here. And so it's like, did they do that just so they didn't destroy all evidence because it's kind of cool, but they didn't want to destroy it all. Like they just didn't want to talk about it. Right. Like they can't talk about it. And it was too obvious with some of these prints evidently didn't they uh didn't you mention something too that like the actual you could see the toes back in the day but they actually like did something to make it so you can't see the toes now yeah okay yeah so that was a different part outside of the park more in the town of Glen Rose, and they had some like three really good prints and these are just in the riverbed so like most of the year this river isn't very deep but most of the year it's you know a foot to two foot deep and, you, and then sediment builds up in these prints. Um, but in the summertime, like right now, it's pretty dry 
like we're in a, we're kind of in a drought. And so this is like the river will go dry because there's just no rainfall. And I guess there's not enough springs that just are bursting out of the ground. So it was during a time like that, that somebody, it was around the same time when they were removing the park ones that is like a couple years later, I think it's, it's still in the eighties, like the latter eighties, maybe 1989 or something like that. Somebody went and destroyed the toes of these really good prints that were outside of the park, just like in town. So it makes you wonder like, were they the same people who did that or the same entity that did that? I don't know. See, could it be an entity? Could it be them? Because if it was, nobody ever knows who actually destroyed these prints kind of goes back to that idea about like, are these things, if they are existing in this area, still trying to like cover stuff up so that they're not seen or known in this area. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good thought. Because, I mean, like, like even if you get into the idea about, like, Sasquatch theoretically being descendants of giants in some way, shape, or form, I mean, they're clearly trying to hide from people to begin with. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, of course, they try to cover up their heritage, too, because, I mean, if there is, like, a clan or uh, or Sasquatch living in this area, and they know that there's these giant footprints in this area that are, you know, they may know the full history of these things, that's still putting a spotlight on this area. So if there are Sasquatch beings in this area, they're like, all right, we're going to have people that are going to be stomping around the woods, looking for more footprints, looking for this. Like we need to get rid of this and cut it in the butt before they start venturing too far into our area. And then we get discovered being in this area. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Yeah. So we don't know who did that. We, we know who did the park ones, but we don't know who did the ones outside of the park for sure. (laughs) See, I mean, they could have been like, all right, they already covered up one for us. Let's just cover up the other one. And then they'll be assumed that they did it. So maybe that was their whole intention too, is they were like, all right, we need to get rid of this, but we can't make it obvious that we got rid of this. So let them destroy the first half of it. And then we'll destroy the other stuff. And then we'll call it a day and everybody will associate it all together. (laughs) Yeah. They're definitely more, they're definitely powerful enough to do it probably even without a metal bar, you know, just take a rock or something like that and just get rid of that. See, one thing that I was kind of thinking about too, is that, So we don't know a lot about America's history to begin with. Like we know about like the natives being here and just like nomadic people in general, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there may not have been like massive civilizations that have existed in North America to begin with. I mean, you hear about giants in almost every single culture They had to have theoretically came from somewhere. I mean, maybe like the base of the DNA comes from America and then they spread out to everywhere else. Because, I mean, you have stuff like, just a prime example, like the um, the Grand Canyon with the weird Egyptian things that may have existed there, may or may not have existed there. But then you go into, like, Egyptian culture, and there's, like, the giant sarcophagus, for example. And then there's all these depictions of people, and then the ruling class significantly taller than the people. And then you go into, like, Sumerian culture, and they got the same thing, where there's the normal-sized people... And then you have these big things that were like the ruling class. And a lot of people just like to say that they're just trying to show that royalty was bigger than them. Maybe it wasn't that at all because maybe these things just showed up one day and they were huge. So everybody was like, well, we either listen or we get crushed. So maybe all of these rooted from America to begin with, and then they spread out to everywhere else in the world, became the ruling class of everything. People had enough of it. So then they started killing these things off. So then they kind of condensed back down into North America and now they're theoretically like their descendants are now the Sasquatch that are hiding in the woods of North America. And I mean, that could even continue on with the whole thing that there's eight men 
in every single continent. I mean, mm -hmm. so, I mean, maybe those were the descendants of these things took off to the woods and just tried to hide in the woods. And then they became more mm -hmm. primitive as time went on. And now we know them as Sasquatch because they've adapted to have hair and everything and be comfortable with what they need in order to live in rural environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely, a, that's definitely a possibility. I, you know, and I think you made a great point and, and I have discovered this in my own research that it's not always just giants, right? With my research, I've discovered that the giants lived among regular sized people because sometimes you'd have a giant man and he had a couple regular sized females buried with him. Um, it wasn't always the giants in one grave. They were you and it, and they and, and let me say this too because there were different there were intrusive burials too. So when you have people buried on the top. So I'm talking like down at the bottom where the giant is buried. You have regular sized people too. So to your point that these were like these tyrant rulers over the regular sized peoples. That's true. Um, and even if, like it, even in the Bible, it talks about like some of these ancient tribes of people as they spread around the world. It talks about these people that, you know, ruled over them. They were fierce and they were mighty. And so even that agrees with like all the other cultures you're seeing and talking about too. And, and even what we're finding in these burial mounds in these newspaper articles that they all, they all agree. I mean, the giant, the normal sized people that were left in with the giants too, that could have been simply the fact that when there was like a revolt against these giants as the ruling class, obviously there's going to be two sides. There's going to be normal people that, maybe got special treatment from them or they're afraid that if the people lose that they're going to get, you know, twice as much punishment kind of a thing. So maybe they stood on the side of the giants. And then when these things got wiped out, the normal people were like, all right, you want to be with the giants? We're going to leave you with the giants forever. You can be buried with the giants and you that's, that's your, you did that to yourself. That was your own doing because you wanted to stand with the giants. Now you're buried with the giants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or it could have been I mean, one that. of those things too, that like, you know, like the pharaohs, for example, they got buried with like, you know, their cats, like their pets, things like that. Maybe it was one of those things when a giant passed away, all of their close people that took help take care of them, they just got buried with them because who knows what their past life, their afterlife traditions are. Maybe the idea was that now when this giant passes away, you get buried with them and now you will go to the afterlife with the giant and forever be, um, you know, s some type of like person that works with the giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point, too. I know when I'm when I was looking at these footprints, it was kind of humbling and sad all at the same time. And it kind of goes to what you were just saying in a way like you had regular people like almost being ruled over by these massive people um, because I could see this in the footprints. So you would have footprints that are like nine inches you'd have set of footprints and like, like trackways. I'm talking like trackways of nine inch long footprints, but then on the same riverbed, you would have a trackway of 21 inch footprints. And his, his stride was like six and a half to seven feet long. And you could look um, and I would measure. I was like, Oh yeah, there's his other foot right here. And then I, I would like found five, like it disappeared into the side of the grass of the bank. And then it, and it went all the way to where there was still water in the river so I had like five to six footprints of this one big guy. And it just kind of like it's humbling. And it's like, it's surreal. Like you look at it and you're like, okay, you had a community of people here 
And I even found the smallest prints are like five inches long. And so you had, you had little like babies walking around or young kids walking in the mud and you had these massive guys. I think some of the biggest ones I found in another riverbed was like 32 inches. And I found six different tracks of this guy and his stride was like 11 feet from heel to heel. And so I'm like, I don't know. It was just kind of, it was eye opening to me. It's like, wait, I would not have wanted to live during this time in this community. I don't think being myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, being, being six, being around six, two, I don't think I would have, would have been myself with a guy who had a, like an 11 foot stride. And I mean, even if they were theoretically like, just to just bring the idea of Sasquatch, because obviously these giants were a lot bigger than like what we perceive Sasquatch to be now. But looking at it from this perspective, that if you take a human and a giant, you know, intercourse wise, it probably wouldn't work so well. But there are means of also impregnating somebody without actually having to have like the physical intercourse in between of it. So it's like if you have this guy that has this 11 foot stride and you have like a normal size human then you crossbreed those together. The woman might not make it through birth, but what would the size of the baby be? It would probably be around Mm -hmm. this like 10 to 12 foot area, which is what we kind of Mm -hmm. perceive as the modern day Sasquatch. So maybe Sasquatch is the offspring of a human and a giant. (laughs) Could be. Yeah, because I mean, I was in an area looking at some of these tracks and it was like in the middle of the week, nobody, I was, my truck was the only vehicle there. And then I hiked in. And it's an area, this is actually a different area than uh, the Glen Rose area. It's a totally different county, still in north central Texas. And it's an area where I've, I've heard Sasquatch language, um, you know, wood knocks. What else have I heard there? Language and wood knocks. Oh, I've heard them working with stone tools. Like this is a few years ago. I crept up on this mountain range, ridge. And I heard something. It was like early in the morning and there was, and it's back in this area where it's just tons of trees and canyons, no houses back there. And this is where I've heard them speaking too. later. I heard the speech later, but I heard something working with the stones. It's like, ping, 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 tank, 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 tank. And I was like, I just sat there silently and just kind of enjoyed it. And like, I could just picture an ancient village down in this Canyon somewhere. And eventually I I started making noises with my mouth and then whatever it was stopped and it tried to start making the sound sound a little bit different. Like almost like maybe trying to trick me, like you really weren't hearing stonework, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what I was hearing. It was trying to, it was trying to play a psychological game with me because they're aware of me. They just probably didn't know somehow I crept in there without being known. I don't know if the wind, I was, the wind was the right, blowing the right direction or whatnot. They say, you know, we let off some sort of scent, but it was so cool to be able to hear that. It's probably one of my favorite things I've ever witnessed. But whenever I was down there looking for these tracks, cause it's dry right now and I've never thought to look for tracks. Right. And I'm finding them. Um, while I was documenting them, um, there was a, a loud wood smack like 300 feet behind me in the forest, just smack. I was like, okay, they're on to me. They know I'm here. I guess they're letting me know that they know I'm being watched. But 
I just had that thought, like you were saying, like you were trying to, you were making some sort of a possible connection that maybe here I am looking at these ancient footprints. Maybe it, whatever they are, maybe they're connected somehow and I'm being watched by their descendants. Who knows? Right. I mean, that could have been self-preservation to begin with, because I mean, if you're a giant with an 11 foot stride, it's going to be kind of hard for you to hide. So maybe they intentionally bred with humans intending to still be giants or carry the giant DNA, but be a smaller variation of them, which could be again, the whole Sasquatch thing. And then you always hear about Sasquatch trying to hide itself because again, they have a history with people and people always going after and killing these giant beings because they were trying to be the ruling class at one point. So maybe again, the idea is that they took off and tried to hide in the woods and you know, you don't hear a lot about like, um, like you, you kind of gave a good example of like them actually working with tools. I mean, maybe the reason you don't find any of these tools or you don't find any traces of Sasquatch, things like that is because they've spent generations and generations trying to stay away from humans and hide themselves because they know the history with them. So, you know, maybe they are using tools, but the intention is that they use tools that are unrecognizable, you know, like we're creating mm-hmm. hammers and obviously a hammer is yeah. a hammer. It looks one way, but if you're a being that's trying to hide itself in the woods, rather than using a hammer, you're going to use a giant rock. And it's not that you're not as intelligent as the person that's creating the hammer. You're just thinking of it from the perspective of if I have to drop this and run, I'm not trying to leave a trace of myself. So if I'm using a rock to hammer something in, then people are going to walk by and just find a rock. They're not going to find a hammer and they're not going to know that somebody's in this area doing something. Right. You're intelligent enough to not use a hammer is what you're saying. Like, yep. You're that smart. <laughs> It's like, we're not going to use a hammer on purpose, so we're untraceable. Yep, exactly. Or, or less traceable. Yeah. Yep. And it's all self-preservation of the culture to begin with, because I'm sure that like there has to be some kind of link behind, beyond it, too. And then you start coming at stuff from like the biblical lens of things, too. And it's like you see these connecting stories with, you know, you have the, the fallen angels, the Nephilim, breeding with man. And then from that, they created the... Um, What's the word I was using? Um, uh, was it sons of Elohim? Elohim, yes. They started. They yeah. became the Elohim, which seems to, again, fit this idea that we're talking about, but from like a biblical perspective. And I've said this a million times that I feel like all religions are theoretically talking about the same stories, just different perspectives of the same stories. So you could be looking at yeah. this from like the modern day perspective that it was like a giant breeding with a human in order to make itself smaller, to do this in order to hide itself. But then looking at it from like the biblical lens, you have these giants that were the fallen angels that they were just giving a name to. And then they were breeding with humans in order to do something malicious, you know, because you're looking at it from like the human perspective of the story. And then it just kind of continues on from there and you give it all of these names as things you avoid, but you're telling people to avoid it from like a biblical lens. But it seems to just, again, be all the same story, just from different types of perspectives and different names for things. Yeah, different names for things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's 100%. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy. Crazy stuff. And even in the same area, just hiking around. And I think it's it's kind of in Texas, there are a lot of um accounts and I I can read one account real quick. I won't read a lot of accounts, but since we've talked about like these footprints in Texas, um there is an account here from 1894 um, wow, man, this thing is blurry. Um, gotta love those old newspaper clippings. <laughs> man, I tell you what, and I, and I even, I even edit them so I can, so you can see them the best you can see them, but some of them are so blurry to start out with. 
You know what's crazy yeah. is that they were so mass-produced at the time that you think there'd be a bunch of them, but they've been destroyed through the years. So it's like you have all these stories that were documented like and printed out everywhere, but now there's only one like living copy of it, and it's just this copy <laughs> right. of a copy of a copy now at this point. <laughs> so it's like it gets hard to read, but it's like it's there, and it was mass-produced. There's got to be more of these articles yeah. that some hoarder has in their basement or something that's like a first-generation yeah. of these newspaper clippings, you know? Right. No, you, you know there has to be, yeah. Yeah, it says, while digging shells on the riverbank near Orange, Texas, recently laborers exhumed 20 human skeletons. They had evidently been men of giant stature. Some of the bones of the forearm, so the actual just the forearm, the forearm bone itself, um, were the set were the length of an entire arm of the ordinary man. Pieces of broken pottery were also unearthed. And so, two things I'm seeing here is like it was near a creek or a river. And I think in Texas, and I think really probably all over the U.S., they a lot of their mounds were around rivers and creeks. Um. So you had some massive dudes like, so their forearm was as long as my arm and my, I don't even know how long my arm is, man. That's, but that's a big bone, right? That's a, that's a big forearm. So I mean, like 20 of these dudes in this burial mound alongside a Creek. Um, it's pretty fascinating. Dude, I've wondered how many of these mounds may actually exist that, you know, you go hiking and stuff and you see just mounds everywhere, but you know, you just assume that they're part of the landscape it kind of makes you wonder how many <laughs> yeah. bones and stuff could exist in these areas. And a lot of the areas where people go hiking are into like national parks where you can't just like bring a shovel and just start digging in the Dude. middle of like a, of a field somewhere. Maybe the intention is that they know that there's these like giant graveyards. Mm -hmm. So they make it part of a national park and then now it's preserved where you're not going to have to worry about people coming in and building buildings and tearing these mm -hmm. hills down to flatten it out so they can build. They just are like, all right, we know this is a giant, giant graveyard. Now it's just foothills. Call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Dude, no, you're right. I've seen them all over the place. Like I've been, I see them a lot when I'm hiking and, you know, even near some of these rivers, you see these mounds. You're like, ah, I have a pretty good, pretty good idea what these are. Um, just knowing like you have footprints in the area, right? You have, you have giant footprints in the area. You even have uh, what seems to be Sasquatch in the area. And some of these like areas I found megalithic structures, like where you have massive stones being erected and setting on another stone and it didn't just land like that. Um, so yeah, obviously you're not allowed to go digging into these hills because it's, you know, protected property, but you have to wonder, right? You have to wonder. And I've seen them in uh, national parks, like you're saying, like in the Ozarks, I've, I go backpacking like every year up in the Ozarks or, Watch a tall mountain range up north, like Oklahoma, Arkansas area. I've every time I'm going, I I see these mounds and I try to document them, right? Take pictures of them. You see some pretty big ones. Mm -hmm. So basically, what you're looking at is something that hasn't been dug into that was being dug into back in the late 1800s and 1900s, and they were printing articles about it, right? It's just, that's basically what you're looking at. You're just not allowed to dig into it. Yep. And then that but kind it's of preserved It's preserved there. You know, there's something, there's a fossilized remains down in there somewhere, probably more likely. 
somebody has to go on a rogue mission with some like ground penetrating radar and go go through yeah. a hike on one of these parks and make it so that you know you're not digging up the mounds. And as I'm sure that if they knew you're going in there with ground penetrating radar, the next thing you know, you'll have some like black choppers flying over or something. <laughs> but <laughs> you just got to sneak yeah. into a park and start using some devices like this and see if you start pinging anything because I, I feel yeah. like you'd be surprised what you might actually find if you start digging into these hills. And I mean, there's also Dude. the intention too that you know say that there was an area that they knew had a giant mound in it, you know, and they wanted to be able to bury it. So it wasn't too close to the surface. So they could have started digging from the spot lower on the hill, bringing it up on top of the hill, making the hill bigger, making a valley next to it lower. But in turn, now there's an extra, you know, 20 feet of dirt on top of like where the first giant bone is found inside of that structure. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't pick your favorite place to hike. (laughs) <laughs> if there are mounds there, don't do it there because then you might be kicked out of there forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do a low key. That's a, good, that's a great idea, though, because there is technology today. I mean, they're using it all the time. They're discovering discovering new complexes in the Amazon all the time with this with this stuff. Even looking at it from up above. Dude, even just to entertain another possibility, too. You hear about all these like old metholithic structures, especially in like South America. That the, I mean, even in Egypt too, because we're connecting in the giants and possibly going to Egypt. That you know they talk about, especially in South America, about the whole idea of like we didn't build this. You know, we just started using it because it was here. And then you see these mm-hmm. things where there's like the giant stones. And then as time goes on, rather than the architecture getting better, it gets worse. Maybe because these yeah. things were originally built by the giants that were in this area. And then they just kind of abandoned it after everything started going down and then the humans took over the area. So like a lot of these metholithic structures that we're looking at could literally be solid proof of giants existing, but they've been covered up with mankind's history. And of course they're not going to dig into it because they just want to call it a day and say that mankind built it and just not question it anymore. But yet you got people like us that dig into this stuff more. And a lot of this stuff doesn't make any sense. Like, especially when you start digging into some of the stuff in South America where they're removing these giant boulders from like miles and miles and miles away. I mean, miles and miles away is a lot for a normal sized person, especially with those giant rocks. But if you're something that has 11 and 11 foot stride and you are, you know, pulling some kind of like toboggan or something with some stones on it, it might be no oh, different man. than like somebody our size pushing a wheelbarrow, you know, yeah. a couple hundred feet versus like a giant taking these 11 foot strides while carrying this like thing that had rocks on it. And they're going mm-hmm. like hundreds of miles. But again, it could have been the equivalent of us, you know, moving like yeah, a couple hundred feet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what if they had a few? Of, what if they had a whole tribe of these guys working together? They can get a lot done. Like, like I've around my house, I've built some stone walls and I picked up some pretty big stones to put in my truck. I mean, they're probably two hundred pounds or more, two 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 fifty. And it, it's hard, man. It's hard. These things are so heavy that I when I get them up in the air, like off the ground, I lose all of my strength. And so I'm like, I'm standing there holding this stone. I'm like. What am I going to do now? Like I got it up here. I used all my strength and I'm holding this thing. And it's like all I can do to get it onto my tailgate. Right. So what if you are a dude like that and you're massive, you could, you can carry, you can, it wouldn't be nothing to pick up like four of those guys to pick up a massive stone. Yeah. That's right? what you I was going to say. Just imagine like what humans can do with like four people carrying a giant stone. Then imagine what something oh, with yeah. an 11 foot stride could do carrying a giant stone. Yeah. You're looking at these giant metallic stones that are like, 30, 40 feet tall and like 10 feet wide to 40, 20 feet wide. Like that was probably the equivalent of like us now moving like a parking block. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Like, like South America, uh, you know, even Mexico, like 
in one of my accounts that I uncovered, I uncovered um, it, it talked a little bit about Aztec lore, right? Legends of the of Aztecs or pre-Aztecs. And I always think that is pretty interesting. And so I try to post about it um, because they're usually, you know, from an old era and like it's legends being passed on. So like I'm not finding a history book. I'm just finding a newspaper article that's talking about something maybe that was passed down by these, you know, ancients that live there, or, you know, these old timers. And this one here says, According to Aztec legend, a race of giants around 15 feet in height, known as the Quinizans, lived in the valley of Mexico City in ancient times. The legend states that they were destroyed by another race of giants known as the Olmecas, or the Olmecas, who in turn were said to have perished in an earthquake, um, interpreted to be a judgment of the Lord God. So it's like... Could that be so, the impact site that... He was it so, could be that Graham Hancock's yeah. been talking about. <laughs> could be right. So you had two races of giants that were like 15 feet tall on average that were one destroyed the other. And then the other one was destroyed by some sort of, you know, destruction of like earthquakes or some sort of a natural disaster. I mean, even with like modern day human, they say that we are the result of multiple human like species starting to coexist and co-inverge into each other. And now we're like the byproduct of like six different species that were all interbreeding with each other. So what's, the, what's to say the same for giants that there wasn't multiple races of giants. They started interbreeding with each other to created one race of giants. And then maybe just because of the, the environment needing something to be smaller, then they started becoming smaller. And then again, it gets into the whole idea of like the modern day Sasquatch and then we we're talking about mm -hmm. it before the show. And I think last time we did a show together too, about the whole concept of like, if you put a pig out in the wild, it's going to eventually become a boar. It's going to start growing hair. It's going to adapt to be in the environment that it's in. I mean, theoretically, I wonder if anybody's done this, done this experiment with humans. I mean, you can kind of see it in a weird way with like mountain men and stuff that they start kind of taking on different characteristics after being in the woods for so long. They start. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, w w generations and generations and generations. Imagine like if that, w if that woodsman, just was doing that for generation and generation, like how different they would have adapted to fit into that environment versus anything else. I mean, who's to say that it's not the same for giants, that it's just a matter of like adapting into the environment as generations go on. Yeah, that's a great point because uh, doing this research, I also have, and I don't post about this. I don't ever post this stuff because I try to stick strictly to giants, ancient giants. Um, but I have, you know, research like wild men, right? So you can, you can research wild men. And I have found that to be true. Like you're saying, like you will have an account that's obviously is talking about a Sasquatch being because it's really large. It, it didn't seem to be, it seemed to act more like a Sasquatch, but then you would have times where this is actually like a dude that just lived in the woods for a long time. And he seemed to have hair on his, they said he had hair on his body, but you could tell it wasn't like a Sasquatch being. It was more like one of us that lived in the woods for like a, a period of 10 years or so. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? So like, you're right. Like, cause I've, I've come across those articles before. I mean, you even see it too. Or if you look up like pictures of mountain men, like the average man's beard goes about midway up your face. But then you start looking at these like guys that are just like living in like the Yukon, for example, and they have like oh, facial yeah. hair that goes almost up completely to like their eye. 
Because it's like, again, oh, wow. adapting to the environment because they need more of that hair in order to protect themselves. So if you have something yeah. that's out in the wild all the time, it doesn't necessarily wear clothes. I mean, mm -hmm. they say that the reason why humans aren't as hairy as other apes is because we adapted into building our, you know, creating clothes for ourselves. So then by turn, there wasn't that need for that hair. And even just generation recently, look at somebody from mm -hmm. the 70s versus now, like humans are developing less hair as time goes on right in front of our mm -hmm. very eyes. So like, oh, imagine yeah. if we went the opposite way. Imagine if people started not wearing clothes, they stopped wearing shirts and they just started going out in the winter without shirts on, things like that. I mean, you'd yeah. be surprised where you'd start probably end up growing hair in order to make oh, up that sure. difference because we do all these things with, I guess you can, you can call a shirt technology in a way, but the mm -hmm. more things that we adapt to make our lives easier, the less natural abilities we have because there's not a need for them. Even with like animals yeah. for the weather, for example, like any animal can pretty much tell when it's going to rain. Like I was always raised hearing this concept about, you know, if you see the uh, seagulls on the break wall, you know, there's going to be an awful storm. So it's like these animals have a sense of the weather, even down to like the smallest animal can sense the weather, but humans can't for some reason. The reason <laughs> we can is because of us <laughs> using technology. There's no need yeah. for us to be able to naturally be able yeah. to tell what the weather is going to be because we can just look at a phone and say, Oh, it's going to rain. Yeah. And a prime exactly. example of that is, is yeah. Like yeah. anybody that has arthritis, you know, your, your bones oh, start yeah. hurting right before it's about to rain. So we do have ways of telling when the weather is changing, but we just don't pay attention to these things because we have a phone in our front of our face that tells it to us super easy, you know, <laughs> rather than us feeling yeah. like difference and pressure and stuff in the atmosphere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That is nuts. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so I think that is a that is definitely a possibility for sure. I mean, it makes total sense, and I'm glad you brought that up. So I I always like to side tier onto this one because I know that you end up going on to a lot of shows, and this is all going to end up connecting anyways. But um, you I, I you do a lot of Sasquatch research on top of doing giant research, and I know you don't get to talk about it on a lot of shows, and you shared some of your stories last time, but. Um, if you have any more new Sasquatch research, I'd love to hear about it. And like I said, maybe we can even bring it full circle and connect it back into some of this giant stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So there's an area where I can go and, and I've talked about before. Um, I've had like a roadside crossing uh, siding before. And it was like 2014 when I saw this thing. And it was December around seven o'clock at night, which means by that time it's been dark for a couple of hours, almost two hours. And so um, I was just driving down this road. I saw this creature run, a humanoid shaped creature run from my right to left with at a slight angle. And long story short, his head and my mind was not prepared for this. I knew it wasn't normal what I saw. I knew it was gigantic what I saw. But when I first wrote it down, I was like seven to eight feet tall. I just because that's what my mind was going to accept. But as I was thinking back on it, its head was really close to the tree line. And I'm thinking Does, that can't be seven to eight because when it hit me, I was following I was going down the road later and I was following a semi truck that was going down this road. And his his I was like, gosh, his uh, trailer is way up there close to the trees. And that's where this dude's head was. And so I went and measured it. So it turns out that this, this creature that I saw was around 11 feet tall. I was like, oh, my. And it makes sense because where it was running from, it, it had just basically stepped over a, a pipe fence that was up to my shoulder. 
but it didn't appear to have done that because at the speed that it crossed the road. So that makes sense. Its height makes sense with how it moved across the road. Cause like to jump for me to jump over a fence like that, I'd be like rolling on the ground. Right. And then trying to get up and then split. Well, this thing crossed the road in one second flat at super high rate of speed. And so he just, he stepped over the fence as he ran by. So since then I have access to a property that's like, it's a little bit wooded, but it's like in between two larger forests. And that's kind of where this thing was running through. So I can go hang out there sometimes and I'll see like, I've had experiences with like orb lights at night around there, or I've even heard like vocals there too. Like, and I can say one vocal I heard, it was, not too long ago, really. It's like a month ago. It was between 1230 and one in the morning. And it sounded, it was weird. It sounded like a woman's voice. Like it was definitely a feminine voice, but it had a weird, strange sound to like the throat. And it, all I heard was like two syllables. It was like, bitta. That's what it said. It was like, bitta. I was like, okay, that's, (laughs) that's not English. And so it's in the same area though, right? And so like nobody in the area over the, where that's at is up at that time of night in the woods. And it's a common thing fun. apparently that you know there's people that are running around barefoot in the middle of the woods at night and they're just all really tall people. That's usually really everybody's excuse. <laughs> yeah. Really tall people. That's just what they do at night. They have like a secret pact where they just run yeah. around barefoot in the woods just to troll everybody. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. At, at a strange time, like when it's best, the best time to be asleep, like everybody's dog tired at that time of night, except for me, but I'm kind of a late <laughs> night owl, but <laughs> I don't require a lot of sleep. So um, another time in the same area, it was Last, it was coming out of last winter, and I was just hanging out near my truck, and I could hear something in the woods, probably about sixty yards away, and it was doing a constant rustle, and up like a rustling of the leaves, like a, it was con- when I say constant, it was just like a constant noise, and I'm not sure why it was doing this, but I've, I've witnessed it before. I don't know if it's a something that they would do to distract you from something else but it's just like a constant well i started i got a stick and i started banging on some metal i just started bang 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 and i think i might have irritated it because i got a vocal and i've been i've been around this area where that's at for since that road crossing time right around that time so 2014 somewhere in there i heard that word the other night last month i never heard him make a vocal it's always like like an owl call or just wood knocks or just sounds like you can sell, you can tell something's crawling around or moving. Um, but it made like four times. It was really creepy sounding. It was like, it did that four times. It was like, like I said, it was coming from the area where this thing was rustling the leaves constantly. And he made this noise. And of course my, my heart just like jumped in my throat practically. And I was like, okay, wait, what do I do now? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I've never had them do that to me in all these years. Like, (laughs) I don't know if they were just like, 
if he was like talking back to my me being kind of a, a nuisance probably, or was he telling me to sh- shut up or like, was he just making his presence? Like to me, I had the thought, like maybe they trusted me enough to even make a vocal like that. I mean, I was kind of wondering too, if, uh, you know, you mimic a sound back, if, you know, you'll hear like a, like a, like a, some kind of noise that they're making, for example, and then you try to mimic the noise back and then you hear a vocalization after that. Sometimes I wonder if it's like they'll make particular noises in order to see what's out there. And if something makes the same noise back, then they kind of do like a, Hey, is that you, you know, in like their language. Oh yeah. And then yeah. we take it as like, Oh, they're doing a vocalization. And then we try to mimic it back. And then they're like, Hey, like that, that doesn't sound right. They're thinking the same thing on the other side. Like that sounds off. That's not one of us, but I kind of wonder yeah. if it's like that bounce back and forth between like a noise, you make a noise and then there's a vocalization vocalization after is like, mm-hmm. they're testing the waters. You make the same noise back. They go, all right, next, next, next part of the handshake, you know? And then they go, Ooh, <laughs> is that you? Yeah. And then you mimic yeah. it back and it doesn't sound right. And they're like, Nope, that's a human. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to shut down now. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're so, they're so weird and they're so like, inconsistent really like in my experience with them they'd never do the same thing like you never get the same reaction like i'll do certain noises sometimes it gets a reaction 80 percent of the time nothing so it's like are they in a weird mood tonight is there some sort of law that they abide by they're not allowed to are they not allowed to communicate with us that much you know what i mean like and the reason I came up with that, it's it's not really something I came up with. It's like, oddly enough, it's the uh, it was the movie Smallfoot. I don't know if you ever saw that. It sounds familiar. I swear I've seen that before. Is that a kids movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a kids movie. Yeah, I think my daughter's I feel seen like it before. There's a then. lot of there's a lot of truth in it. In it I believe um, you even have like orb lights in it. Like this little like the king of the squatch. He has like. He wears a whole, and I'm sure this part's not true, but he wears a whole breastplate of laws that they have to abide by because of Smallfoot being us. Um, we are dangerous to them, so they have to they have to abide by a certain set of laws for their uh, for them to remain alive. You know, to to be able to to remain undetected and not to be destroyed. I mean, even going back into the giant thing too, connecting them with all this, I was kind of trying to map this out mathematically that, okay, so you found the 11 foot stride, right? The average mm-hmm. Sasquatch stride is I'd say roughly around like six foot or so. So you can kind of get mm-hmm. like a judge of height based on that. And then the average person's is about three foot or so, right? So mm-hmm. let's just say that the average person is around six foot, right? With a three foot stride. So then mm-hmm. you're basically just halving that number in half, right? So Sasquatch yeah. tried about six foot. Then we mapped them around 12 foot, you know, 10 to 12 feet. So that ma- mm-hmm. math and logic still works. So then you take right. an 11 foot stride and you double that. Yeah. So that means these giant beings theoretically could have been between like 20 to 24 feet tall. So then mm-hmm. you take the giant one and then you take the human one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And then you end up with this thing in between. So, I mean, that, right. just looking at the size and stride could have kind of made sense with the whole idea that maybe they did breed with humans to create this mm-hmm. half-size being of their same size. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's that, or it's either these bigger ones got destroyed somehow, but it doesn't really make sense for them to all have been destroyed. It, I mean, the logic seems to flow better with what you were saying. I mean, there could be different generations that kind of went down different paths too, because I mean, like you hear about, we're talking about the giant of Kandahar, how that Mm -hmm. was like the, like full size giant, not Sasquatch, like living in these caves, you know, there could have been different adaptations depending on where they're living at, you know? So it's like, maybe they're, if the giants theoretically lived longer and you hear stories about these giants living longer than the average human does, you know, maybe that's the old generation of giants. Maybe that's like pure straight blood of a giant you know the ones that are seen in like the middle east but then the ones we have in america are like the descendants of those giants and that's why they're shorter that's why they look a bit different is because they've kind of gone down different evolutionary paths depending on like what they are breeding with you know like maybe the Mm, ones that are living in these mountains and stuff maybe they were breeding strictly giant to giant and that's why they're maintaining the same look as what we would talk about like biblically with giants. But once they start Mm -hmm. breeding with humans, they have that mix in, which is also kind of funny because you have Sasquatch legends of them taking females and you hear about these weird stories about them with females. Maybe the intention was that they were taking females to try to breed with them in order to maintain Mm -hmm. their population and keep it in a smaller size. And like I was saying before, like if you're taking a giant being like that and expecting a normal woman to give birth to that thing, I guarantee you every woman that tried to birth a giant or birth a Sasquatch has died in the process. But maybe that was the intention is that the story never gets back because they wanted to breed with them. And then it was time they take their baby. They don't care about the human. They just wanted that shorter variation, smaller variation of themselves. And then they just call it a day after that. (laughs) Wow. I mean, that's, that's true. As far as like that, that's all, isn't that like a native legend? Yep, about them taking the females. Doing that, especially in like Alaska and stuff too. You hear about these like uh, ape beings in Alaska that were taking the females too, because there's a lot of legends of those things up there. And I mean, theoretically too, if you knew all the humans were down here, it made a lot more sense. Especially if you're adapted to being colder weather because you're covered in hair, you probably Mm -hmm. go want to go north because you're going to find way less people up there. And then there's a lot more legends of females going missing up there because again, they could have been trying to maintain their population up in secluded areas. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. I mean, it fits with the legends and it fits, fits with like the re the reason makes sense to why they would want to do something like that. Just to, to stay a little smaller, to be able to be hidden a lot better. And, you know, I don't know if you've gotten into any theories of like the orb lights or anything like that, that, that are sometimes seen around those creatures too. Um, that's a whole other rabbit trail. I'd love to hear your side of it because I've Mm -hmm. actually been, uh, it's going to be a show on Bizarre Encounters and I'm sure other people have kind of talked about it, but I've started kind of connecting some dots and, Mm -hmm. you know, people call them fairy lights, but Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, there's not a lot of people that are necessarily like fully connecting this whole idea of like, um, I guess you could say like American fairies, you know, 
And I'm kind of wondering if the whole fairy lore, different variation of fairies could be theoretically these, these, uh, these orbs and stuff. And as an extended, extended part of that, um, if there are beings that can shape shift or theoretically like change your perspective on things, um, maybe the reason why these lights are always seen around Sasquatch, around UFOs, around all this kind of weird stuff is because there are, I guess you could say like a generation of American fairies, so to speak. And they take the form of whatever they choose or they make you perceive them as the form of whatever they choose to kind of deter you away from an area, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're in the middle of the woods and you're seeing orbs, maybe the next thing you see is a Sasquatch because they're taking the form of something that already exists in the area or they're making you perceive them as something Mm -hmm. exists in the area to like scare you away from the area. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I've had experience with those as well. And it's in the same area where these squatch kind of move through. Um, the last time I saw it was about a week ago and it, it kind of caught me off guard cause I was at this location before total nightfall. Right. Normally it's like, it's been dark, you know, and I can hear things in the woods like wood knockings or something like that bangings. And then I, sometimes I see these orb things and I'm like, okay, well, and I've already figured out that they pretty much are different than the Squatch and, and the ones that I've been around. But like it was around, it was just barely after eight o'clock and I was, you know, out at this location and this fairy light starts to circle. When I say circled me, it was with, it was probably 50 feet from me and just kind of skirted around and it came over to this side of me, but it's, it's still far from me. And it's like the size of a ping pong ball. And I was like, oh, gosh, what's this What's this thing doing out this time of day or night, right? Like it, it wasn't f- fully dark yet. I was like, hey, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I was videoing. I was like, hey, buddy. Well, after I said that thing, it after I said that, it basically buzzed me. Like within five feet of my head, that it was, it was there. And then all of a sudden it was gone and it was right there. It just went flying right over me. I was like, oh. And then it just kind of went over there and it got a little bit dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. But I was like, uh, well, maybe he's not my friend. <laughs> yeah, he was like, shit, he saw me. I didn't think he could see me. He's like, yeah, I take well, off yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was showing itself to me because I think it wanted me to like, what I got from it's like, you might want to move out of the area because there may be visitors moving through this area soon. You know what I mean by visitors? So I was like, that's what I got from it. But I don't know, obviously. But like the feeling and when I talked to it, it's like, hey, buddy, like you're my friend. It buzzed me. Right. So I was like, mm, maybe he's saying, no, I'm not your friend. Like I've got a job. Or, you I know, mean, there's I two know. sides to that's the fairy just... lore, too. There's either the side that they will move people to safety or there's the right. other side that they're the trickster beings and they'll lure you to your danger. So, I mean, like I heard that when you follow these lights, you never know what the intention of these things could be. Cause just like people, I mean, if they're like a race, they don't all specifically think the same. So, you know, there could be some lights that are trying to deter you away from danger. And there could be other lights that are trying to pull you towards danger. It's like, you ever see the movie Merida? Oh, I haven't heard Uh, of that one. No, no, no. Brave, brave. Yes. 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 Okay. So will of the wisp, that's what they call them in Scotland. It's the same thing. It's the fairy lights. And that's what their lore was. Like it, they say, like in the Scottish accent, these lights will lure, your, lure you to your danger or to, to danger or to your death. I was like, ugh. And it, it kind of basically at that point, it led her into the woods 
she had lost an arrow or something like that. It led her into the forest and she started to follow it. Well, then all of a sudden there's this gigantic 11 foot tall bear that used to be a king or something like that. But now he's like this massive creature um, comes in and starts attacking her dad. But he came out of the forest. So like these lights supposedly led her in there to this danger. I don't know. So like to your point, like there are so many and like it's, I sound funny talking about these kid movies. Right. But they're all built on traditions and lore from ancient time. Dude, I was going to mention the fact that they hide a lot of truths in kids' movies, and that could be intentional because maybe they are trying to put the real lore in kids' movies so that people associate it with childish concepts rather than like a truthful concept because they could do the same movie as an adult movie and people might take it for a little bit more. But if you're just like, <laughs> oh, that's just something from a kid's movie, yeah. you're just passing it right. off. It's the same thing with like Harry and the Hendersons. You know, they turn it into a kid's movie to kind of tear away from like the whole Sasquatch phenomenon. It could be the same thing. They're yeah. hiding truths within children's movies yeah. so that you associate them as childish concepts. Yeah. Right. Spe- especially like... Make a, go ahead. Then you make a movie about giants now. Yeah. A kid movie about giants. It'd be full of truth. Stop talking about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, right. <laughs> I don't know how I got off on those lights, but yeah, they're just they're just weird. They're interesting, and I've encountered them. So it's like it's just something else that's kind of odd and strange. Hey, man, that's one of those things that happens though, because we did the same thing last time that we kind of had an intention going in, but we just kind of let the conversation go wherever it goes. And we gotten in touch on a lot of different stuff that I've been fascinated in lately. So it's like, talk about the whole synchronicities concept that everything in the conversations intended to happen at that time for a specific reason. And kind of funny right. enough, we actually planned on doing this a couple of weeks ago and uh, I got sidetracked with just life in general and stuff, but it's like, I didn't start digging into some of this stuff until, you know, within the past like week or so. So it's kind of funny that like this episode as usual kind of falls in at that perfect time where I have all this stuff in the front of my head. So it's like, you know, maybe the whole reason it didn't work out a week or yeah. so ago is because it happened for a reason. Cause it was intended to happen today because of all the stuff that you and I have been looking into the past week that seems to be meshing with mm-hmm. each other as far as concepts and research goes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I believe that. I believe that way too. Like I know, I believe things happen for a reason and at the right time. So yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, even bouncing back into uh, Sasquatch slash giant lore, I know mm-hmm. before the, uh, before the show started, you were kind of asking me like what my idea was of like giants and like what kind of lens and stuff I kind of perceive them from. Um, I haven't, I didn't actually, I don't think I actually asked you, you that question. Like what, what kind of full lens, I mean, I'm sure it changes as you continuously do more research. And I'm sure if I ask you this again on another show in like a year from now, you'll have a totally different concept. But like, as far as like right now, uh, where do you, where do you kind of fall as far as like, I guess, giants slash we can, we can throw Sasquatch into that category too on like the, the backstory to these things. Yeah. Okay. So like where I kind of fall into it is like, so I, I believe like the Bible, the biblical narrative of it. So when you had the angelic watchers, they would call them come down and procreate with women and create this massive um, offspring. I believe it happened twice, like before the flood and after the flood because the narrative says that a lot of people miss it, but it says it right there. It says it happened before and afterward, and it's in the whole context of the flood. So it would mean before the flood and after. And I mean, just to throw in another idea too, the Epic of Gilgamesh, you know, one of the mm-hmm. oldest stories they, they reference the great flood in that. And mm-hmm. even though it's after the great flood, 
you still have Gilgamesh and I forgot his name, but the wild man. And they're clearly both giants that were existing after the flood. And just to throw yeah. in another one, David and Goliath, Goliath was still existing after the flood. <laughs> right. Yeah. King Og. And then you even have like a massive battle. So like when, when the sun stood still that account, when Joshua was fighting these Amorites, well, for years, I didn't know that Amorites were giants, right? I just thought the Canaanites were giants. Well, even that whole topic is confusing to me, and, I, and I'm still I am looking into that because there's not a whole lot of literature on the Canaanites, and there's not a whole lot of history books on who the Amorites were, per se, right? But the Bible does say that they were as tall as cedar trees and strong as oak trees, so that gives you a little bit of insight of who these guys were. So Joshua fought a massive battle, and, and God actually threw down some large hailstones on them because obviously Joshua and his men couldn't kill them all. Uh, during this battle because they were just too big. And God said, don't be afraid of them. I'm with you. Um, so, but from that point, some it does say that some of them escaped back to their fortified cities. And then you have moved, time moves along and you've got, you know, the split of the kingdom of, you have the, the North and South, like Judah in the South, the Northern house of Israel, um, they subdue some of these giants and make them into slaves. Um, they end up intermixing with these peoples, even though they're commanded not to. And so you have just a whole melting pot of regular people and giant people living together. And they ended up just moving out of the whole land. And um, and you also had a lot of giants that actually they went to their fortified cities. And I think after that war with Joshua, some of them just started to just leave town, right? Just to get out of Israel area or, you know, that the Middle East right there. And I mean, they and could have taken have their stories with them too. And that's, I mean, even the Bible, yeah. like you're saying, there's very minimal information on these things. It could have been because like we were saying, they were trying to preserve their heritage amongst themselves and not let the humans know it because the Bible is written from, I guess you could say like, the human yeah. slash God slash angel kind of perspective. So you're not right. br bringing it in from their perspective. So they could have their whole written history that's just kept to them. And you're just looking at it from our perspective. They could have like, yeah, like an oral history among themselves. Yeah. There's so many, like we just see it from the biblical perspective, but they've got, they could have their own history. Could you still find like ancient stones in like say Moab or it'd be the country of Jordan today. And they say, Oh, it's talking about this account. Oh, well it actually happened in the Bible too, but it's from their perspective, the same story. Like, so yeah, to your point, that's so true. And I think a lot of these, as they moved West, they, they were setting up, they had burial mounds. And so you have a, you have a trail of burial mounds at standing stones, megalithic sites that headed East, that headed West. I mean, I found these giants all the way. They kind of went the silk road, right? So the silk road goes East um, there are theories that that's why the the Chinese built the Great Wall of China because you had these you just had all these nomads just pounding the area, just moving in as they were escaping an area. Um, so they built this Great Wall, and you could you could see it like you have megalithic uh, burial mounds with giants buried in them, like all the way to Japan and the Koreas, and you can look at the way the wall is shaped, and it's like they were probably trying to keep these guys out, you know, at least some bands of them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just to throw in another thing too, I mean, you have like the book of giants that was one of the texts that was removed from the Bible or was never as brought in as oh, part yeah. of the Bible. But I mean, I mean, I've been holding in my hand for all the audio listeners and it's, 
very, very small, minimal information. And considering how much text is written throughout all the page, I mean, even like the Book of Enoch, that's still pretty, pretty damn thick book. I mean, the Book of Giants is probably one of like the smallest removed sections. So it's like, again, only looking at it from the human perspective, like imagine how much of the history of the Giants was probably either oral between them or could have been documented by them. And it's just preserved somewhere for all we know, you know, like wherever these giant beings may be existing, maybe there's, you know, you get into the whole idea of like these underground um, areas that these things could have possibly went in and dwelled in. I mean, they could even have their own book of, or their own variation of like the uh, ancient library that has all of their history hidden somewhere below the surface. And I mean, it could be 20 feet below one of these listeners feet that's listening right now. And they wouldn't even realize that there could be a giant structure, oh, yeah. like cave underground that nobody has access to because it's been buried through time that has all the documented history of these giant beings that have exi- existed. Just waiting to be discovered. Yep. <laughs> but if there yeah. is knowledge of where that place might be, that may be one of the main reasons why they hide that stuff. And just to throw in another idea on this one, because it's kind of funny to think about, um, you talk about that passage that's underneath the Sphinx's foot and everybody likes to address the idea that it's, you know, one of these ancient libraries, you know, obviously there were giants living in Egypt at one point. Like that's why you have the, there's no logical reason why that giant sarcophagus would have been built unless there was something that was going to be housed in that thing. I mean, maybe the reason why the Egyptian government is so adamant about not letting any researchers go into that area, even though they've let everybody dig up every possible other thing. Like there's clearly something weird underneath the foot of the Sphinx and people have done sonar. They know that there's a passage that goes underneath there. Maybe the powers that be know that maybe that does contain the history of the G's giant beings. And that's why they're so adamant about making sure that nobody has access to this thing, even though anywhere else in Egypt, you find anything, they're like, sure, take it, dig it up. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. There's yeah. a, there's a reason right. why this one area, they do not want anybody in. Like you have to kind of look at the facts that they've let everybody dig up everything. Why won't they let anybody go into this one area, even though they know that it leads somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Giants were discovered there because I found a news article about the, like I think there was like 60 giants and they they range from like seven foot to 11 foot and they were just in common burials. And so that tells you a lot, too. It's like, well, maybe they weren't the biggest ones. I mean, if it was a seven foot giant, that could have been a baby. Theoretically, if you were, again, judging kind of like the what I was saying as far as like stride pattern goes with the three mm-hmm. foot, six foot for Sasquatch, 11 foot for this thing. You know, if something was seven foot tall, that means that it probably has around that like, you know, yeah. half the size like like step. So, I mean, like it could have been like the babies of these 20, 20 uh, something foot beings. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, if they're trying to hide something that hardcore, it's there's a reason for that. And I've heard theories on that, too. So it's like, yeah, maybe they, maybe there is some information down there about the giants or the race of these giants or the the culture of these giants, because there might have been a bunch of different tribes of them. But like their overall culture, I'm like they probably had similar um, stories passed down in their cultures because they came from similar um, beginnings. I mean, there could even be just just kind of like another weird thing to think about. Um, I was who was it? It was Tim Alberino. He was on Blurry Creatures a long time ago, and he was talking about this whole thing about these uh, underground dwellings that are in Mexico, where they say that like these giant beings basically live and move to, and like you can't access them. Um, I don't want to give too much information on it because I don't know a lot, and I don't want to like talk out of turn. But essentially, these these structures underground that these giants ended up moving down into. I mean, theoretically it could be the same in Egypt 
because I mean, the sand has covered up so much stuff that like when the pyramids are first discovered, the majority of them are covered up. The Sphinx, majority of it was covered up. Like who knows how far down there could be passages that go. And just to throw in another idea that is mind blowing that a lot of people don't know, we still haven't actually discovered the bottom of the pyramids. Like there's passages that go down way farther than we've ever been before. Like it keeps going down way farther than we know. I mean, we could be looking at the tops of something and not even looking at the whole structure as a whole. There could be these giant underground catacomb systems where these things could theoretically still even exist to this day. And it's just hidden underneath the sand. And we just haven't dug that far down into it to even realize it, you know? And you see these things that like, um, the, the one in Turkey where they had that underground dwelling where they found like full ability to farm down there. They found full ability to like raise livestock down there, all of that. Like who knows how advanced these things could be if they've had thousands and thousands and thousands of years to figure these things out. There could be a full system of giants living down there that have full agriculture. They have full waterways because you know, waterways exist underground. They could have cattle and everything underground livestock of some sort. And maybe that's the reason why a lot of stuff gets blocked off in Egypt is because maybe there's legends amongst the Egyptian people that there are things that are down there. And that's why they try to deter people away from it. Because I mean, a lot of ancient Egypt isn't even known to like the Egyptians, but I mean, there could still be some families that know more than the other families do. And they're trying to intentionally keep this stuff a secret. And they could be the people that are theoretically in power in Egypt at the time. And they know that if they, maybe there was some kind of truce that was made a long time ago that was like, we'll stay down here. You stay up here. You leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. So maybe the Egyptian government knows that there is some type of truce like this that's been written in time. And that's why they're like, all right, you're not allowed to go in that passage is because they know that maybe it'll break the truce and then it'll cause a bigger problem from them in the future. (laughs) Yeah. Were were you talking about that one? And was Graham Hancock talking about that uh, civilization in Turkey where like you had just tons and tons of miles of under under the cities yeah i I know that he was talking about it but i've heard it in through a bunch of different places but he does address it in uh ancient apocalypse though dude that was that was mind-blowing because it did it reminded me of like i think uh, i don't want to misquote him but i think it was la marzulli said something about the possibility of the ones in peru being nocturnal or being able to see under the ground like maybe they lived under the ground at some point because their eye sockets were so huge um, so that could be a great theory or like maybe a good possibility of these giant beings still living under the ground now. I mean, that could also theoretically also be a connection to Sasquatch too, because they seem to be more active at night, even though they have the ability to see during the day, that could be a trait that they got from their giant side is that they're able to see in the dark better. And I mean, just logically speaking too, the bigger the eyes, the better your receptors are going to be for the dark. So it's like, that's why the giant squid has, has a giant eye and it's able to see really good in the dark is because the bigger the eye is, the more light it can take in. So like theoretically speaking, if you had a human that was even 12 feet tall, they're going to have better eyesight in the dark because their eyes are bigger. So they can take in more light into their eyes. So like, no matter what way you look at it, the bigger the eye, the better they're going to be able to see in the dark. So imagine like mm-hmm. a giant in general that if you had a person like we were kind of standing around like 20 feet tall, you know, even if, you know, they weren't necessarily geared and made for seeing in the dark, they're still going to see way better in the dark than we would see in the dark because we can't nearly take in as yeah. much light as they can in the dark. Right. Their eyes so much bigger. I mean, I've heard theories of Sasquatch. There are theories that's, 
that Sasquatch live in dugout caves in the ground and they come out at night. Um, there are those theories. And in my personal ex- uh, experience, I feel like if that's the case, there's always some that aren't under the ground, right? So like if I'm day hiking, I'm hearing wood knocking or something that, that tells me some of them aren't, there must be like day watchers or like location watchers or signalers like, Hey, there's a dude walking your direction. I've, I've been, I've, I've had that happen where I was like creeping down a Creek bank to head towards a river. And I heard one like give a signal, like one from behind me was signaling to other ones like, Hey, there's somebody coming. I was like, Oh, okay. They're, they're give they're giving me away, but there is a possibility that they live underground too, because they are nocturnal and they have supposedly have really big eyes. Kind of like, like you were saying, I mean, kind of funny to think about too. You think you're like wood knocks, like theoretically, what if that isn't intended to echo through the woods? They're actually doing it near like an opening to one of these caverns and it echoes through the cavern, but it's loud enough to echo through the cavern, but in turn, it still echoes outward. So again, and everybody assumes that they're trying to do it to echo through the woods. Maybe it's not intended to echo through the woods. They're actually doing it at an opening to something in order to get it to echo through the caverns to let them know that somebody is near the entrance to the cavern or something, you know? That's a good point. Or maybe that's why you'll kind of hear like a, sometimes you'll hear stuff where people hear like a quieter knock and then like a loud knock. Maybe the intention is that the quieter knock is the one that echoes underground. And then the louder knock, they try to do somewhere else to get you to look that way instead of knowing where the entrance to the, to the tunnel is, you know, maybe that's why you hear multiple wood knocks is because one is echoing down into the cavern. The other two are just meant to be deterrents to make you look the other two directions. Dude. Yeah. See, because most people follow the last knock. Maybe people need to start following the first knock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why are we following the knocks anyway? But that's, that's kind of what I do. I feel like I get curious. So like when I hear a knock, I'm like, okay. Like before I'm like afraid a little bit, like I feel like I'm being watched. You know, you get that feeling of like, it's like an internal mechanism that's like telling you to be careful. But like, as soon as I hear a knock, I'm like, oh, okay, you just invited me. But they may not be thinking that, but like, that's how I read it. Like, you just invited me in or I start walking that general direction, right? I mean, just in general, I've talked about this a few times in the show. Maybe a lot of stuff that Sasquatch does is intended to be deterrence, which again, fits into, again, this whole giant thing we've been talking about over trying to preserve their culture, that most people, you find a set of Sasquatch footprints and you follow which way the footprints are going. Rather than following which way the footprints are going, because they clearly don't leave footprints very often, maybe you should go mm-hmm. against the footprints, because maybe the footprints are leading in one direction, trying to get you to follow that direction, rather than, you know, because you're not going to follow them back, you're going to follow them towards where they're going. So maybe they right. smart, they intelligently place three footsteps going in this direction, because they know that you're going to follow that instead of going back, and that's where the things actually are, is back the other direction. It's almost like I didn't even catch this until after I addressed this idea on a previous show, and then I rewatched Harry and the Hendersons with my daughter, but there's a scene towards the end where they're trying to get Harry back into the woods, and they all put on the Bigfoot cast on their feet, and they're walking around the snow trying to scatter it in a million different directions so that the guy that's chasing after the Sasquatch won't know which direction he's heading. Same concept. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Wow, that's a great point. I mean, it makes sense. And I I believe they're smart enough to do something like that. Like, I just didn't put that together, though. Even like what you're saying with the knocks, like maybe they're they're doing it for a deterrence. Yeah. First knocks, the actual location and warning for the other ones. The other two are the knocks trying to get you to go and look in that direction. And maybe that's why you'll sometimes hear them where there would be like 
one over here, one over here, one over there. Maybe they have mm-hmm. three sentinels that are just sitting there mm-hmm. watching. The first one's yeah. intended to warn the others, and the other two, again, are just deterrent. So when they hear the other knock, they just make a noise in order to get you to look in that direction. And that's why you'll hear them all the way around you, because most of the time, it's not like you hear all three of them coming from specifically the same direction. They're very scattered in different yeah. directions. The intention is yeah. that you don't know which one to follow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because imagine if yeah, something had thousands of years to learn how to stay away from you. Like... And again, everybody's right. like, oh, if it's a Sasquatch, why haven't we found it by now? Why haven't we done this? Why haven't we done that? Again, like we started beginning advanced probably after these things were. These things are probably around longer than we are. So they've had years and years more practice on how to stay the hell away from us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they're doing these knocks, they know exactly what they're doing. It's it's up to us to try to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. I think you're doing a great job at actually figuring it out. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to me. Dude, I just love throwing theories. I start connecting dots. I mean, it could be complete all bullshit, or maybe I'm onto something. Who knows? <laughs> well, hey, probably more likely that you're onto something, I would say. <laughs> it's a good theory anyway. Cross my fingers, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to put it into uh, practice, maybe. Dude, if you put it into practice, I would love to hear about it. And even to any other listeners that are hearing this and want to put that into practice, if anybody has some results, you know who to come at. I want want to hear about these results Mm -hmm. to this. And I'm actually, I've I've been squatching a while, a little bit by myself too. Um, I've been on like a handful of squatch hikes and stuff now. Um, I'm... The last time I went, I had my kids with me. So I was like, I was doing a squatch hike with like my, my two-year-old on my shoulders. So I wasn't able to do too much like adamant research. But on the next one, I'm hoping to uh, not have my kids with me because it was just kind of like it fell into the situation that I didn't necessarily want to bring them with me, but I didn't have a sitter at the time. So it was either I was taking my kid on a squatch hike with me or I wasn't going at all kind of a thing. So next time yeah. I'm out by myself, I'm definitely going to have to try some of these methods because it's like, you know, you have the kids with you. You know, you don't really necessarily want to bump into a squatch, but you're still wanting to be able to hear him and see him from a distance where if I'm by myself yeah. or with just squatchers, like show me a squatch, let's follow them footsteps backwards. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. If I ever find it, and you're right, they don't leave very many prints, but you know, I do see the odd print every once in a while. So, I mean, uh, recently on some of these hikes, it's been so dry in Texas. I've been seeing in some like some of these hikes where I go, like walking through some field areas near some wooded areas, like I've seen it's pretty obvious that something with feet have been walking through some of these tall fields. And like impression that I've, the biggest impression I've measured is like 22 inches. So that's and you could see you could actually see heel and the front of the foot like pretty well. It's just not in mud. So you can't cast it. Right. Mm-hmm. You can only take a picture of it. You can only measure it and take a picture of it. And even then, you can still see it in the picture. That's how good it is. Like when you try to take a picture of a flattened area in the grass, it's pretty hard to get a good with for the picture to turn out very well. But I, they were good enough that I got them to turn out pretty good. I've had a few a really picture. good spots that I found like on the edge of water or right in the middle of water. So sometimes I wonder if they like intentionally place them in certain spots because they know that you can't cast them. So then again, it's not drawing attention because if you have a cast, somebody says what area yeah. it's from, then it's a direct target at them. Maybe they intentionally try to put their footprints in spots where they think that they're going to be hard to cast because they probably have an understanding that we cast now because I probably mm-hmm. watched from a distance and seen us do this. So now it seems like a lot more squash footprints are seen in water on the edge of water. Maybe they're getting smart and they're starting to purposely not leave footprints in spots that we can cast them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I do. I have experienced them being very, very smart and trying to 
because there was a time where I found like a small one. It looked like a very, like a small juvenile and it slipped in some mud. So it made like toe prints slip. And so like I was on a hike. I was like, man, I really want to cast this, but I don't want them to know I'm casting it. And so like I set up this whole scenario, like I, I poured the cast and I know the cast takes, you know, a few days to really dry good. And so I, I did it and I put a bucket on top and I took like, I got some little kid shoes and I made like little footprints and I put like some toys and stuff like that to make it look like some kids were playing around out there. And I put a stick on top of this bucket and I took a picture of it and I go travel over there the next day and just to look at the area. And I, I looked at my picture that I took and no kidding, like something had taken that stick and moved it, flipped it upside down and made it go the other direction. But had I not taken a picture, I would not have remembered that. And so I think what they were doing was messing with me to try to see, did I come back? Did, did somebody come back? Was this really, is there something going on here? Cause they didn't move the bucket. The bucket hadn't been moved. Um, according to my picture, but they had messed with the stick and this is an area where nobody really goes. So like, okay, but I would not have caught that had I not taken a picture of it. So they are pretty intelligent. I'm glad that you brought this up. Cause I was actually going to ask you, do you ever double back the same path that you came when you go on squash hikes? Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I go in one way and then come back another because this is an idea that I've seen myself and Rick, I'm going to give him full credit for this one. He threw this thing because he started connecting a bunch of different dots. But so on the one of the squatch hikes I went on, we went walking and it was like the middle of the night. Like there would have been nobody out there just walking around, especially not barefoot. And we walked past this Creek and there was nothing there. So we double back on the same path and we go back to this Creek. And then all of a sudden there was a footprint barefoot, you know, I'll, I'll send you pictures after the show actually, but you know, bigger than the average human footprint. So then I was talking to Rick about this for my no squatch. And he actually said that he's experienced the same thing. And he brought up the fact that he has some friends that like work in like special forces and they'll do this thing where when they're following somebody, they won't leave any remnants of themselves except for in certain areas, because they do this thing where it's psychological, where it's like, you don't know that they're there, but they leave little tiny clues that they're there because the idea is that, you know, you'll start kind of freaking out knowing that something's there. So then you'll end up slipping because you're over paranoid. So, oh, you know, maybe they intentionally uh -huh. will do stuff like that where they'll flip I your had stick. That happened to me years ago. I had that happen to me and it was, it was creepy. I was hiking with a few friends on this property and I've been by myself on this property and it's, it's not very far from the spot where I've had some night encounters. It's within like a mile from this, from this area. So it's almost the same property, but it's, it's a creepy part of this area. And I've been back there during the day and I just get really creeped out. And I'd find areas where you have a branch that's been like twisted. Like you've had the cedar tree that's just been twisted over. And you have an area that I could tell something sits for a long time and is bored and it's just twisting these sticks and, and smashing them with their thumbs. And so like I've been back in there and I could hear something crawling around in the thicket. And I was like, eh, this doesn't seem safe back here. Like it's something inside me is like something's in there and it's not a cow. Um, and you can see these big trails that go in there. And so, but one time I was with a few friends because this friend of mine liked to fish and there was a big pond, like a lake back in this property. 
He's like, man, I want to go fishing back there. I was like, okay, well, you have to go with me because I, you know, I had the permission to be there. So we went hiking back in through this creepy, it just, I don't know, man, it's just something creepy about being back there. You just get the creeps. And we walk down this trail, we go fish. When we come back on this trail, I'm not kidding. There's a dead branch laying in the middle of the path that wasn't there. Like it was snapped and laying in our path. It wasn't there when we walked by, but when we traced back out, there was a branch there. And I was like, oh, that was not there because you had to walk around it because we didn't have to walk around it to get in. So that exactly did happen to me once. And that's, I knew what was going on. I was like, something, we walked past something and it, it did that. So it would like freak us out. Yep. It's so, subtle little things where it's like not enough to be like, there's definitely something here, but enough to make you question it and get paranoid. Uh-huh. Like soldiers intentionally paranoid. would follow like a foot, like footsteps of soldiers going through the woods and that they were trailing and they would put like one of their boot prints going sideways across the, one of their footprints. And that'd be the <laughs> only mark that they left. But just so finding works, that one man. mark, it's not enough to be able to track them or really know that they're there. But in a way, it's like, you know, something is there. And so you get paranoid and then you start slipping up. And then that's when they take their opportunity. Yeah. So the same buddy of mine, he went back another time by himself. Like he was just going to go fishing. He liked to fish that much. He was just going to go back. So he went back in there and he realized he's way back, way back in here at this lake. He's like, oh man, it's starting to get dark. I need to get, I need to start heading out because it's a long walk back to the, to the vehicle. So it's like, you have to park your truck and then you have to go hike back in there. So he was going to hike back towards the road. And he said it wasn't very long after he, and he's pretty brave guy. And it wasn't long after he left the lake area, he said something threw three large rocks into the lake. It's like splash, splash, splash. And nobody's back there. Nobody lives back there. There's <laughs> nobody back there. This is the same area where something put a stick in our path. And he said he got so scared. He pulled out his pocket knife and he was walking down the trail, you know, with his pocket knife. I was like, man, I don't think he went back after that. Mm-mm. And we And we both know what it was. I was like, yeah, uh, that's just crazy because that thing was pretty close to you the whole time that he was fishing. Dude, it's like subtle stuff too. And then they don't even have to show themselves, but you have so much fear that it's like, it's almost, it's like that whole like eighties horror movie concept that it's like scarier (laughs) if you don't see it, you know, like if you know something's there, but you don't have any visual on it, that's way more horrifying than if they just jumped out of a bush and tried to scare you, you know, just like subtle shit will just make you so much more paranoid. And it just brings in this whole different heightened sense of fear that your only intention at that point is to get out. It's not. And then again, they don't even have to expose themselves or show themselves. And you're just as paranoid and want to get out of the woods just as much as if they jumped out in front of you and started chasing you, except for they don't have to do all that now. (laughs) Yeah, they did enough to, yeah, scare the heck out of you. Yeah, man. So it's like, ah, I get so paranoid. I like, and, and I do a lot of hiking on my own. So like there's some areas I have to really be in the mood to go. Cause you get more of a vibe, a bad vibe than other areas. Like I feel like some areas they're not as they're more friendly maybe, or they seem to be, but like that area is like, eh, I just, I want to go, but I'm really not in the mood. Like you have to be, when I hike by myself, I seriously take two or three steps and then I'm silent and I hike silent too. Like I, I take very quiet steps. Like I could probably creep up on something, 
but then I, I stop like every few steps and I just, I listen and I look all around me. So like, I'm never going to be jumped by anything, but that's how I hike just because I know there are things out there. I mean, even just for your safety anyways, though, it's like you want to make minimal noise because even beyond like Sasquatch and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like other animals, they can already smell you. So it's like you don't need to take the extra precaution to draw more attention to yourself, even if it is like bear or yeah. cougar or whatever the hell else is right. out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely cougars around here, too, where, where I hike. So that's actually what I think of most. I'm always watching the trees for like a bobcat or a mountain lion, like. You know, am I going to spear this thing? <laughs> I don't want to be jumped by one, but I'm always looking up. I'm, I'm so uh, paranoid for that. I'm also wondering, too, if like those areas like you were talking about where it's just like has like a different feel and like a different presence to it. If the intention for that is that maybe that's like, you know, the ones that they interact with you a little bit more peacefully. Maybe it's far enough away from their home where it's like a safe distance where they feel like they can. But when you start getting really close to where their dwellings are, where they have their young, they have their women, all that kind of stuff, then they want to heighten your sense of fear because they want you to stay away from that area. And like, theoretically, it's not a scary area because it's women and children, but they want you to see it as like a terrifying area because they want you to stay away from their front door, so to speak. Oh, that's a good point. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, that is, that is the air, that area I was just talking about. Now that I'm thinking of it, that's the general direction. The one I saw across the road was running that direction. So I know that they are over there because of that, because it was like it was heading towards like a large forested area. So saying you were talking about how there's like a big uh, area of woods, that middle passage of smaller woods and then another Mm -hmm. big area of woods. I mean, right. there could be theoretically two different tribes or clans that are existing in both of those different areas. And that little yeah. middle section of wood is their spot where they cross over with each other. Cause theoretically, yeah. if these things are intelligent, they probably have some type of communication with other tribes, other cultures, even for just like, you know, maybe trading or even just at the simplest aspect of it, you know, you don't want to inbreed within your speed, within your, your being. So your like, tribe. yeah, you don't yeah. want to, Im- if it is, if a tribe is just a specific like blood family, you don't want to rebreed mm-hmm. with that family. So you have to have these close sections. So there's going to be those crossing path areas. And yeah. most of the time when people see these things, it's like big area of woods, big area of woods, and then like a middle section, you know, maybe those sightings that you're seeing crossing back and forth are the ones kind of going into each other's territory. And the only reason that you're seeing them is because they have to cross through that middle ground in order to get to the other ones in the other thick woods again. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. That's a good point. There's yeah. Cause it, I've been in both thick areas of the woods before. Um, not a lot, but I have been in there and I do feel like there's a presence in there. I don't always hear anything, but like that one spot I did, like I didn't hear, I've heard things crawling. Like I like, there's something in there and it does, it sounds like a cow. It's big, but it's not a cow. So, but yeah, that's a great point. I mean, maybe their logic of thinking too is that, again, they don't want to be known in these areas. So, you know, when people hear about like the spider crawls or they hear stuff crawling on the ground, maybe their intention is that they don't want you to know that they're a Sasquatch. Maybe they want you to think that they're like a cougar or something, you know? So they know if they stay low to the ground and they make some noise in the brush that you're going to assume your mind, you know, a cougar or coyote or like wolf or something like that instead of like a Sasquatch. If you're rustling up in the tops of the trees and on the ground, you're going to know that it's something big that's touching the ground. But if they stay low and they move around on the ground, maybe their intention is that, you know, you'll think it's a different type of apex predator and you'll still get out of the area because you hear about all these ones that are like 
army crawl up to people that they'll catch on like thermo and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know, maybe they don't realize uh-huh. that you're looking at them through thermo and their intention is that they're trying to creep up on you and pretend like they're a cougar or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't want to see that for sure. <laughs> Dude. I've but- heard of that. You say Wes talks about his experience with them doing like the spider crawl. And I mean, uh, imagine seeing <laughs> just just to throw in an idea here. You know, you think of like scary movies and stuff like that. And you have like, you know, like the girl from the ring walking at you versus when she's doing that creepy ass crawl on the ground. Just imagine yeah. a 10 foot to 12 foot ape doing the same damn thing. It's uh, going to be significantly creepier to watch that thing crawl. <laughs> oh, man. And I've heard the way that they move. Well, the one that I saw run across the road with such fluid motion, I've heard that they can crawl that way, too. It's just weird. The, the, the agility that they have. I mean, shit, you had generations and generations to learn how to move through the woods. I guarantee you that they only get heard when they want to be heard. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Yeah, you're right, though. You're right about that. Because I mean, going to be so silent. Even with their reach, too. I mean, they could be, I mean, if they are theoretically some form of like ape, for example, you know, like, um, or they have some type of like ape DNA or whatever, um, you know, they could just as easily be moving through the trees just as much as you know, as they're moving around the ground and you see all these like tree snaps that'll happen up in the air. I mean, theoretically, maybe that's not them necessarily marking territory, but rather they were trying to move around in the trees and they just caught a dead tree and the tree snapped in the process <laughs> of them trying to move across it, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit too heavy. Right. And they just kind of, whoops, yep. that was a bad branch. And that's where you find like the one footprint and then it goes away again is because they had to hit the ground, had yeah. to climb back up into the next tree. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> that's why oh, wow. that's why the impact goes down so far is because it's actually them not just stepping but having the impact of them falling out of a tree trying to do the one foot and get back up mm-hmm. yeah man this this whole topic is just crazy it's that that there 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 could be possibly a connection with what we could be dealing with today and what you know the giants of old um, were right. It's just crazy. It's mind blowing. And there's so many different perspectives to look at it from too. Cause I mean, there's clearly like a mixing of DNA somewhere in there. And I mean, like mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from the point that we do carry ape characteristics, I mean, people are, there's some people that are amazing climbers too. I mean, yeah, you sure. know, it's even in within human DNA to be a good climber too. So, I mean, like, even if it is a descendant of a giant and a human, I mean, they could still be carrying that, you know, enough practice you're going to get good at something and then generations and generations of it i mean if you had people that were living in the mountains their entire life they're going to be some of the best climbers that you know so if these things spend their entire life climbing you know they could be possessing the giant and the human dna but they just happen to be good climbers in the process (laughs) oh yeah i've seen people like that live down uh, different areas of the world like i don't know if it's the amazon or something like their feet look different like their their feet are different shape like they can grab stuff with their feet more than we could because like our feet are in shoes a lot of the times like and, and they can just climb trees like you're saying it's like that's how they live and that's what they do like i probably couldn't do that and i'm a human like mm. you know like they are but i can't do that because obviously i wasn't born and raised that way whereas their whole tribe you know was i mean even within humans you have that uh I think it's in Indonesia, but those people that can spend like 15 minutes underwater and when they're like young, they do something or they like pop their eardrums so that they're able to stay down in the water easier. And they pretty much just walk across the bottom of the water. They can hold their breath for 15 minutes and they just spend their life living in water. And then after generations and generations of this, like these people can hold their breath for like 15 minutes underwater with not even any type of care. (laughs) That's nuts. 
it's just crazy what individuals can do with a lot of practice and a lot of repetition. But I mean, you, yeah, you see that within people. I mean, why can't we just convert that same thing to a whole other species that we try to say they have all these like paranormal abilities. They may not be paranormal abilities. It's just generations and generations of getting fine tuned good at these certain specific things. Oh yeah. 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 A hundred percent agree with that. Like I feel like, cause a lot of people try to say like they may cloak or something like that. Well, if they do, I don't think that's what they're doing all the time. I think they're just great at hiding. I think they're great at staying away from you and, and averting your attention somewhere else. Or like you're saying, make you think there's something else like look like a different animal. If you happen to see it, if you're lucky enough to see it. Um, I, Cause I feel like a lot of people just don't even know that they are, exist. They think it's just a, a, some sort of a myth and they'll never see anything because I feel like if you go hiking out in the woods and your mind is not set on it, you're not even going to be thinking of anything and you can walk right by them and it's fine with them because you're not even suspecting anything. So it's not even that hard for them to hide if it's not even in your mindset. And I mean, shit, if their hair color blends in with woods, trees, all that kind of stuff too, as long as they stay still and don't move, they could literally be standing there pretending like they're a tree. Somebody walk right past it. If they're not even thinking about the whole Sasquatch thing and not even put two and two together, they could just be thinking they're looking at just a mesh of trees, but in the middle of that mesh of trees, there's this tall being that's just standing there still pretending like he's a tree because he's brown. He blends in with the trees. Yeah. And I've even heard that their skin, cause I haven't seen a face to face. Uh, I haven't had a face to face to face encounter, but I've heard enough of them um, from other eyewitnesses that like their skin is like an ashy gray. Well, that's not a whole lot different than the bark of a tree. If you think about it, like mm-hmm. tree bark is gray. So it's like, they kind of look like tree people. And I mean, you even see like perfect example, like the skunk ape, it blends in with Spanish moss. So it's like, even within the legend, you see that they have these different types of camouflage depending on the regions too. Not to mention the fact that like, you know, you have hair, how easy is it to just dirty up your hair with everything in the environment, you know, with leaves, with dirt, with whatever. And then if you just see this brown thing saying there with leaves in it, again, you're going to walk past it, seeing your peripherals. You're just going to assume it's a tree and not even catch that. It's just this ape like being standing there with leaves all stuck in its hair, just dead still. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have even the, like the military, you can get, I've seen these pictures. It's like, okay, you've got, you know, three military guys in this picture. See if you can find them, you know? And I've, I've looked at those pictures for so long. It's like, I don't even know if I can see them. Like, I think that's a person, but I don't know. You know, we just, as us, we have ways to camouflage ourselves. So, uh, okay, they're they're even more naturally camouflaged. So they don't even have to do that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. <laughs> this conversation, man, is spread to a million different things. And uh, <laughs> as usual, man, like, these conversations are always great. And I always love having you on the show. Oh, man, it's it's I love it, too. I've been looking forward to this for, for a while now. Well, that's, uh, that's a, a huge compliment, man, because it's kind of like a funny thing, like I was mentioning, that I used to listen to you on other shows before I even started my uh, before I even started my podcast. So honestly, man, it's a huge honor, the fact that you look forward to coming on my show now, because it was like, you were one of the people that I was like, oh man, he'd be really cool to talk to one day. And now it's kind of funny. We've done a couple of shows, you became friends now, and yeah, now it's like you get just as excited as I do to have these conversations, man. It's awesome to be able to just bounce oh, ideas back and forth and see where they end up, man. Yeah. 
It's what's going through my head all day. So it's like, I enjoy talking about it. <laughs> and I mean, shit, that's the difference between me with a lot of people. I'm sure is that, you know, you're giants of ancient America. So a lot of people just have you on specifically for that, but I know that you have mm-hmm. passions in other places. So it's like the open conversation style. It makes it so that you can actually talk about all of your interests and stuff. So it's like all this stuff comes full circle, but I feel like you just don't get the opportunity to start connecting the dots very often with a lot of people. Cause they just want you to have you on just to talk about what you normally talk about, you know? Right. Yeah. That's why I think that's why I like your show so much. Well, I appreciate that, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess it's always fun. And uh, just the exchanging of ideas too. I try to make the show a little bit different for anybody coming on where it's like, I don't want anybody to come on and feel like they just have to do their spiel. I want them to be able to get into whatever they happen to want to get into. And that's kind of where I like to leave that door open, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I've enjoyed it. (laughs) And I mean, that's just another reason we got to come back for a part three now. Yeah, man. And yeah. we also do have a show set up on Bizarre Encounter, so all the listeners will listen to that too. Uh, keep an eye on th- on that one for the future. Um, looking forward to you getting to meet Oren because just exchanging this ideas thing, that's the reason why I had him become my co-host on that show is because he bounces back and forth just as much. So I'm looking forward to where the conversation is going to go with another mind put into this and expanding oh, on all this different type of research. That's just going to be an awesome one for both of us to look forward to and for the listeners to look out for. Yeah, sounds fun. I can't wait. <laughs> so uh, I guess with that, starting to kind of wrap up towards the end, uh, I always like to do words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there was any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, could be something funny, could be something serious, could be something pertaining to the conversation, uh, what would it be? Okay. Well, uh, gosh, I would just have to say, um, well, the way we ended up on the, on the last note, which is not really anything to have to do with giants, but like if you're out and about hiking – um, always be aware, always, I, I would say if you're hiking, um, hiking alone is probably not the best, but if you do make sure you don't go too deep into what it areas alone, maybe have a dog with you. Um, I don't know, something like that. Just, just be aware. Cause there are things out there that we're not taught about kind of like we're not taught about giants. Um, so there's all these anyway. legends that are talking about avoiding the woods. There's probably more of a reason to it than you realize. <laughs> right, right. Just be careful. Be careful. Hey, just a random bonus question, too, because I forgot to ask this in the beginning before we get into the links and everything. Um, obviously, you collect a lot of stories from old newspapers. Um, have you, by chance, ever actually had anybody that's contacted you that said, like, oh, my grandfather was the one that discovered that, that this article was written about? Have you ever actually had any connections to any of these articles you have found with somebody that you know was in the same family or anything i have not but i have talked to an older gentleman who said he grew up in missouri and he knew a a friend of his had actually like found a giant bones or something like that some like in a cave so that was cool it's like okay wait i'm talking to a guy who knew an eyewitness right and then to what you just said i have another buddy of mine who likes to do like ancestry research. He's a historian type guy. And so he he will just pick any of my articles and look for a guy's name, right? He'll find a guy's name and he'll actually go research that guy and on like ancestry.com or something like that. And he will find the family members of this guy. And he's actually, he's been able to like every story that he has picked from just like, just pick a random story that I posted they're all true. Like they're all real people. <laughs> and he's even contacted some, he even contacted a guy that was like a doctor in some other state. And he's like, Hey, did you know your dad 
or your great grandpa, not his dad, his like great grandpa, like this made this discovery. He's like, no, I didn't even know that. So like, it's like a story that didn't get passed down, but it happened because it's in the newspaper, but he actually found the guy and found who his descendant was. And it's like some doctor or something like that. So I thought that's pretty cool. I almost wonder sometimes if those stories get hidden because the people that discovered them maybe had somebody come and say, Hey, you're not going to talk about this story to anybody. And they threaten them yeah. and they just kind of leave it at that. So these stories don't end up getting passed down through generations out of fear. That's, I mean, if it was right around that 1930s time, who knows? Cause I've heard stories and we don't have to get into that, but I've heard that happen with certain Sasquatch encounters. Like, Hey, you're not talking about that. You know, so maybe so, maybe so. Just to throw it out there too, because I'm sure that there probably mm-hmm. is somebody out there that's sitting on a gold mine here. If anybody out there has any remnants of giants at all, because there's got to be somebody out there that their grandfather got threatened and said, don't talk about it, but maybe they kept one bone from this thing and maybe it's in some family basement somewhere and somebody's like, man, I got this giant femur bone. I don't know where the hell it came from, but you know, it's interesting and I just leave it in the basement because it was my grandfather's. You know, maybe some of you oh, people yeah. should hit up Travis over here and uh, let him check it out or, you know, at least send him pictures of it or something. Because, I mean, I'm sure that you've done all this research and I don't know if you've ever actually seen anything firsthand, but I'm guarantee you that'd probably be like one of the best experiences for you is getting to see. I mean, you, you saw the footprints, of course, in the in the rock bed firsthand, but to actually see a bone. Yeah. If anybody out there has one, hit up Travis, hit up me, hit up both of us. We both love to see it because yeah. there's got to be somebody hiding, hiding it somewhere. They got a gold yeah. mine. And they don't even realize it, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a good idea. Hit us up. Or even like a giant skull. That'd be really cool. Like somebody's hiding it in their Halloween decorations or something. They just sort of like, I wasn't allowed to have this. So I had to cover it up. So I just put some black paint on it and start putting it in my yard. And then there's somebody that's yeah. like, man, this is a really real feeling skull, but it was my grandpa's decoration from Halloween. <laughs> Dude, wouldn't that be awesome? Right? There has to, there has to be a story there. And there has to be an occasion of that happening somewhere across the U S Dude, I guarantee you some of these people that got threatened to hide these things, they try to keep something, even if it's like a finger bone or something, there's got to be something that's out there within the normal public that somebody you may not even realize they have, but it's just something weird that they've been sitting on in their basement and maybe we're the ones connecting the dots for them right now. But if anybody has anything weird like that, let us know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, with that, of course, so that these people can contact you if they do have something weird like that. Uh, where can everybody find all of your work? Where can everybody get in contact with you? And where can everybody find everything you do on the internet? Okay. So just go over to Instagram.com and go to Giants underscore of underscore Ancient America. So it's Giants of Ancient America, but you can find it with the underscores separating. And then Ancient America is one word. Um, you can find like, that's where I post the most. I post some on Facebook under the same name, but um, I do I do most of it on Instagram. You can find all these articles and or you know direct message me there. And uh, also, if anybody has any copies of these things where they aren't all, if anybody has any firsthand copies of this, because again, with the newspaper thing, they mass produce these things. They got to be out there somewhere. You know, somebody take a first gen picture where you can read this stuff, and again, send it to Travis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. <laughs> send it right over to my dm <laughs> well man i appreciated you making the time to come on i love always love having conversations with you and as usual man i'm looking forward to next time there's definitely going to be a part three as far as bizarre encounters go but there will definitely be 
well, part one for that show, but there will be a part three for this because you're one of those people, man, I could talk to you for hours. I don't know how people only yeah. have you on their show for an hour because I see that quite often. <laughs> like, I, I could go on with you for hours, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. It's just like a chat. It's a great chat. Always, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review or a rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Always appreciate it. And it helps so that the algorithms make it so that more people are able to see the show. And if you leave a five-star review on iTunes, I will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout out. And uh, don't forget to share the show if you think anybody would particularly enjoy this episode or if you think somebody might be interested in the show as a whole. I do post clips of the show on YouTube and TikTok. So those are really easy and quick to share with people if you don't know if they're going to sit and listen to the full two-hour format of the show. Uh, and if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it that you want to set up something uh, sponsorship-wise, if you have some type of uh, thing that I guess is somewhat related to the show, or if you guys have some artwork or anything you want to contribute, or you guys want to comment on anything or anything, any of that. If you guys just want to say hi, I'd love to get a hold of you. I'd love to be able to talk to you. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message. You guys can get a hold of me through Instagram, which is the form of social media I'm the most active on, or you guys can email me at inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Just make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders, make sure nothing gets missed in the process because I do respond to every single message that you guys take the time to send me. And everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. But if you don't want to go and do all that, you guys can always type it into your web browsers and that's L-A-N-K-T-R-P-E-E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.